Our Father God, as we are here in this place this morning, truly we are one in Christ Jesus. We thank you for what you have accomplished. We thank you that through your spirit you bind us together as one. And Lord, we do not just look to the past and rejoice in the things of the past. But Lord, we live in the present, realising the opportunities and challenges before us. And Lord, we look to the future, not knowing what it will hold, but trusting, Lord, that our future is firmly in your hands. And as we open the scriptures now to read them, we pray, Father, that you would give to us insight that maybe we had never had before, that you would teach us and that we would have a teachable spirit. To you be all the glory, all the honour and all the praise. Amen. And would you turn in your scriptures to Matthew chapter 2, reading verses 1 to 12. A most familiar passage. And I would say that almost everyone here who is over 25 years of age will have read this passage more times than they have, fing than they have digits on their hands. Did you know you've got ten digits but only eight fingers? Just thought I'd let you know that one. <laughs> Matthew chapter 2, reading verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. I love this next one. And all Jerusalem with him. Hmm. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east 
went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by way of another route. Just out of interest, um, how many wise men or magi were there? We don't know. We don't know. So why do you see pictures of three? Because there were three gifts. But, thank you. But there may have been more. There may have been four, there may have been five. And each one would have brought three gifts. The gifts for a king. Just thought I'd throw that one in. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the words of the much-loved song, O Little Town of Bethlehem? Now, David can't answer this one because I know that he knows them. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see you lie. Above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in your dark street shines the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in you tonight. You know, it's a song that has been sung by quite a few generations and was actually written in 1868 by Phillips Brooks. And it's based on the passage in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. The passage which was quoted by the scribes to the Sanhedrin, or sorry, to, um, to Herod. It's a song that has been sung with great gusto and a song that I grew up on. Anyone here like it? Very good. You know, the, the name Bethlehem means simply the house of bread. The house of bread. Beth meaning uh, house and lachem or lachaim meaning bread. And it, it's a town located about 10 kilometers south of Jerusalem. Anyone been there? A number of you, excellent. And as a town, it has a history that goes back over 3,000 years. And today, it is part of the Palestinian territories with a population of around about 25,000 people. By way of its recorded history, Bethlehem is where Rachel the wife of Jacob, died and was buried around about 1550 BC. And that's recorded in Genesis chapter 48. 
And outside the Bible records, the earliest recorded mention of Bethlehem was in the Amarna letters, which go back to about 1350 to 1330 BC, during its habitation by the Canaanites. In the book of Ruth, which records events around 1100 BC, as in the book of Ruth, in chapters 1 and 4, we read that Bethlehem was the home of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, of course. Ruth and Boaz were the ancestors of Obed, Jesse, and David. See, um, this is an examination, end of year examination, just checking on you. And Bethlehem is the place where David was first anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the future king of Israel. And the record there is 1 Samuel 16. 2 Chronicles 11 also tells us that in the days of King Rehoboam, which was a, the, the mid-10th century BC, Bethlehem was built up as a fortified city but the remnants of its walls are no longer visible. And over the past 2,000 years, the town of Bethlehem has been invaded, destroyed and rebuilt by many successive empires and occupations. One might say it has been a hotbed of fighting. Of course, the gospel records of Matthew and Luke identify Bethlehem as the birthplace of the Lord Jesus in fulfilment of passages such as Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And around the 7th century BC, the prophet Micah was led by God to single out this town of Bethlehem as a place of importance to fulfil the purposes of God. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. This is a messianic passage. And every Jewish scholar, as well as every Jewish child, would have read and heard these words of God, which became an anchor of hope for the coming of God's anointed one, the Messiah. And the records of the birth of the Lord Jesus take us on a journey from Nazareth in Galilee to this little town in Bethlehem. It was through two young and faithful people, Mary and Joseph, that we see God's plan for redemption being revealed in human history. When wise men from the east came to Jerusalem searching for the new king born to the Jews, they assumed that the baby would be born in the palace in Jerusalem. Whoops. 
Herod was naturally not very pleased with this news because he was the Roman appointed king of the Jews and he knew that he was not the father of any newborn child at that time. He'd killed off half of his children because they'd threatened his, th his throne. The other ones were cowed into submission to him. And to now hear of a new child born to be king, this was very disturbing news. The wise men told him how special this child was because a special star had appeared in the heavens. And Herod inquired of his advisers, the chief priests and scribes, as to where this special baby was to be born. And it was these scholarly men of renown who led Herod to the Messianic prophecy of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Now, Herod, though he was a great engineer and a great builder, he was not a man who honoured or feared God in any shape or form. He was a man who was motivated purely by making his name in history, by wealth and power. He was a man intoxicated by his own importance and the power that he could wield over, over others. He pretended to enlist the support of the wise men such that when the baby was found, he also may go to Jerusalem to worship the newborn king. Of course, his intent was to eliminate yet another contender to his throne. As the wise men travelled from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, again the star revealed the way until they came to the place where Mary, Joseph and the baby Jesus were staying. Now it's of interest to note they did not go to the stable and Jesus was not in the manger anymore. They went to the house where Mary and Joseph and Jesus were staying. So it's a little time after the birth of Jesus. We don't know how long. It may have been weeks or months. It's a wonderful story of the special gifts that these wise men brought to the Lord Jesus. And what is even more wonderful is how these men from a very different culture and ethnic background worshipped the baby Jesus and acknowledged him of divine origin. From where do these wise men come? We're not sure. But most likely Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan. Possibly even India and China. That's the area from which they would have come. Of course, we have read how the wise men were warned by God not to return to Herod, but to return home by another route. Now, 
this whole record raises some very interesting questions for us today. Were the people of Bethlehem aware of the importance and significance of the birth of God's anointed one in their midst? Did they really understand? The answer is probably not. Probably not. Oh yes, the shepherds had gone around telling people of their experience and the angels and the baby they had visited. And I'm sure the presence of the wise men and their entourage in the town sometime later drew some attention. But the town had been filled with many other visitors during this time because of the Roman census. Why would the town take a lot of notice of the shepherds? And why would the visit of these wise men accord any more attention than the visit of others? One can only imagine that the birth of yet another baby in the midst of all of life's struggles and hassles would not have held the attention of the people for very long at all. It's much like the news media of today. For how long does any natural disaster stay on the media of today? What was the last major natural disaster that you can think of that's really gripped you? The bushfires. Are they really absorbing you now? They're starting to dim, aren't they? What about a sporting triumph? Uh, we had one yesterday, a triple ton. That was pretty, pretty good. But what about some of the other? What about the last Olympics? Do you give any thought to the sporting triumphs of the last Olympics and those Australians who won gold medals? Can you name three? What about any other special event? I mean, say, how much does the last federal election have impact on your everyday life today? These things do not hold the attention of the media for very long. They're always looking for the next big thing. And many of us would say that these things have not held our attention for very long. Let's face it. Let's face it. When was the last time you thought seriously of Richmond's AFL grand final triumph? <laughs> Apart from the one or two exceptions. <laughs> By and large, these things do not hold our attention. And all this raises another important question. Why did God choose this unimportant, insignificant and seemingly out-of-the-way town of Bethlehem in which to reveal to the world the greatest gift ever given to mankind? Why? 
In all its history, the town of Bethlehem has never been politically, militarily or economically significant. Even today, its main economic strength only comes from tourism. And that is for people to visit Rachel's tomb, the church of the nativity and the shepherd's fields. The town is predominantly perched on a ridge along which runs the main road. And that's not very wide at all. With the shops and houses cascading into the valleys on either side. And despite all this, God chose this small town to reveal himself in the birth of the Lord Jesus because the key focus of the revelation was not to merely be seen as a baby but to grow into a man understanding all of what it means to be human and at the right time to take the stage of human history with teaching and acts of sacrificial service that would forever shake the foundations of our humanity. It is this revelation of the Lord Jesus that has redefined what it means to live in a right relationship with God as our Creator and Lord. It is this revelation of the Lord Jesus that has rewritten history and given a little town of no importance a special place in the hearts and minds of those whose lives have been shaken and transformed by the Lord God. The little town of Bethlehem was merely a starting point for what God is seeking to do in his relationship with us. And it begs another question. Where is the starting point for your life's journey with God? Bethlehem was Jesus' earthly starting point. Where is your starting point? For some, it is a specific location, a place where the Lord first captured your heart and mind with his love and grace. For others, it is something that was said that simply turned the lights on in your mind and you just knew that you would walk the walk with Jesus for the rest of your days. For some, it was something that you read, especially from the Bible. And still for others, it was a special person who came into your life and gave you such a wonderful and powerful example of what it means to live as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Can you remember? Was it a location for you? Was it a spoken word? Was it something you read? Or was there a special person who touched your life? It was that moment as if all the marbles lined up in a row like never before. You could say it was when all the ducks lined up or that all the pieces of the puzzle came together. These situations, these words or people can be our Bethlehem. 
that place for us where it all began in our journey for the Lord. What should be our response to Bethlehem today? Should we constantly look back and seek to relive the joys of the moment in the past? I hope not. You know, the only mention of Bethlehem in the New Testament, or the only mentions, are found in Matthew chapter 2, which we read, Luke chapter 2, and John chapter 7. There are only three mentions of Bethlehem in the whole of the New Testament. There is no record of the Lord Jesus ever returning to the town of his birth. I'm not saying he didn't, but there's no record of it. It wasn't important. It wasn't important for his life or his mission. It was only a point of commencement. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, we should not live in the past of when our journey with the Lord first began. Instead, we should be focused on where we are with the Lord today and what he would have us be and do in the future. That's what's important. Our life today for the Lord, our witness today for the Lord, and the preparations that we're making for our life and witness for the Lord in the future. Now, while it may be nice to reminisce about past events and experiences, we must avoid the temptation to constantly live in our past with our memories and longings. You know what? The good old days. Now, I'm not saying that you don't take your kids to, for a drive one Sunday afternoon or one Saturday and you go to the places where you used to live and you reminisce about your own childhood so that your kids get thoroughly bored. <laughs> I'm not saying that. You know, we like doing that, going down memory lane stuff. Whenever we tell our kids that we're going to do that, they say, oh, I've got an appointment. <laughs> but I'm talking about the focus of your life, where you're putting your energy. You don't live in the past. You don't live on past memories. To do so is to turn a blind eye to God's present opportunities and blessings and to shut the door on what the Lord may want to do in and through us in the future. As Bill Keane, an American cartoonist, wrote, Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift of God, which is why we call it the present. We are called to live in the present and to plan for the future. Folks, wherever your Bethlehem is, that place where you first began your life journey of faith with the Lord, it is not the place where God wants you to remain. You can't remain with your Sunday school learning 
You've got to read and study the word of God and have a mature faith, not, no longer a childish faith. Yes, our trust in the Lord is very childlike, utter dependence. But our understanding of our life and mission should not be childish. There is a difference. As we read the gospel records, we discover that God wants us to take up the challenges and the opportunities of the present and to walk with him in the future. We only need to look at the commands of the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, sorry, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. You know that one, don't you? Go, preach, teach, disciple. And what about Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18? Again, the commissioning of our Lord into the future. And Luke chapter 24, verses 45 to 49. And John 20, verses 21 and 23. And Acts chapter 1, 8. Numerous times we are called to go forward into the future with the Lord. Finally, the gifts given by the wise men were gifts for Jesus' future earthly life and ministry. So too, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for us to use, to use, to use as we step out into whatever present and future the Lord may have for each one of us. So take hold of the words of the Lord in Scripture. Take hold of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and dare to use them for him as we go forward. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder of Bethlehem today. And yes, each one of us has a Bethlehem, that place where we first encountered you. And Lord, for those of us who, when we were little children, went to Sunday school, we learned the lessons. But we know that we cannot just stay there. We must mature. We must go forward in our faith. We must take hold of all the challenges of the Lord Jesus in our future life and ministry. And so we pray today that once again, Lord, our hearts and minds would be focused on where you would have us be now and in the days ahead. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would stir our hearts and our minds, that you would build us up and equip us in areas of ministry and service which at the moment we don't think we can do. But Lord, you know, you know 
that whatever gifts you impart to us, you won't ask us to do anything that we can't handle. So Lord God, we are here this morning. We're on the journey. And we pray that you would continue to walk, that we may walk with you. We thank you, we honour you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. So stand. identified with us in such a powerful and wonderful way and may we go forth with great courage and determination to be the people that he has called us to be may we go forth even to the ends of the earth in his name Amen Folks, if you can just have about 15 to 20 minutes break, uh, you might want to go to the loo. We've just got to prepare things for the members meeting. And uh, again, if you're not a member, you're quite welcome to remain. But of course, only members can vote. Um, but around about 15, 20 minutes back here for the meeting, please. <laughs> 